Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Father, again we approach Thy throne in the blood righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank You that You hear our cries and our petitions. Though sometimes we admit It seems like heaven is brass to us. It seems as if you are so far away that you've turned your back upon us. And we know that the problem is not with you, but it is with us. We don't know what it shall be in the glory world, but I'm quite confident that our worship will be full. It will far exceed anything we have ever experienced in this sinful body that we do not know how to measure the comparison. But we're reminded of McShane Robert Murray McChain upon one occasion when he desired that you would make him as holy or sinless, I forget exactly the terminology, as a sinful man could be. And we desire that And yet at the same time, we find that when we would do good, evil is present with us. We have this warfare in earthen vessels. And we shall ever have it as we live out our lives upon this earth. So we ask that you would move in our souls through the operation of your Holy Spirit. And at the same time that we would stir ourselves up unto holiness. And that we would be more conscious and strive more to work out our salvation with fear and trembling than to be lackadaisical waiting for you to work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure.
We know both are true. We do not have the spiritual gumption to be able to explain it. And we don't want to be lazy and indifferent waiting on you to stir us up when we need to be stirring ourselves up. Help us to keep the proper balance and keep us from going into the ditch of sin on either side. Now, again, we pray that you would guide us as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're coming back to 1 John chapter 4, these first three verses. Really, we're still in the first verse. And uh, about trying the spirits. I want to read something to you. It doesn't really have to do with Christianity directly, but to show you the influence of spiritual wickedness within our own government. I came across this news item this past week. On August the 12th, the Walker Arts Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, hosted a family night to help people learn how to summon and trap demons. Tamar Etun, the Brooklyn-based artist who hosted the event, described it this way. She said, quote, Demons have a bad reputation, but maybe we're just not very good at getting to know them. <coughs> Families are invited to create a vessel to trap the demon that knows them best, perhaps the demon of overthinking, and then participate in a playful ceremony to summon and befriend their demon. After designing your trap, uh, Lilith, the emphatic demon, that's the name of Lilith, will come from the dark side of the moon to lead you in locating your feelings using ancient Babylonian techniques. End of quote. If trying to summon a demon, the report went on, not the latest quote, if trying to summon a demon as a family wasn't bizarre enough, you will be more disturbed to learn to discover that the Walker Art Center has received $3.9 million in taxpayers' funds through Minnesota's Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. 
Other groups that receive taxpayer fundings feature inappropriate life live performances as well as homosexual parades, choirs, and films. So needless to say, we are in a battle. In a battle. And that it has uh, influenced so-called Christianity uh, as well as our government is no surprise. And obviously it will uh, increase and get worse unless the Lord intervenes. I want to read these first three verses again. Kindly look at that we're still studying various things about what a spirit is. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. This is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is in the world. And so I believe by what we have uh, read we can see that the spirit of Antichrist is still in the world with us today. That there may be a more manifestation of the Antichrist prior to the coming of Christ may well be, and which I believe there will be, but I'm not going to uh, chase that rabbit. We're just looking, uh, in, we're showing from several different angles that a spirit is a false prophet, or as we might say in our day, a false preacher, or a false minister, or a false teacher. And we have already. Uh, gone into six sermons on this one point. And as, as I said at the outset, uh, I'll say it again, the reason that I am uh, taking as much time in doing this is because the first word says, Beloved, showing that God intends this for each child of grace. It's not that the preachers are to find out who the false preachers are. It's not that your pastor is to do it. It's you are to know the Scriptures well enough to be able to discern false from true. That means you are to uh, judge me from that. 
but your judgment is to be based on the Word of God, not on what you think. And we pointed out at the outset, and I probably have mentioned this more than once, well, I, uh, I know I have. I don't remember how many times I've mentioned it. I don't know that I've mentioned it in each sermon. But one of the things that really uh, prompted me is uh, a few weeks ago, there were some people that heard uh, someone preach some, far as I'm concerned, some heresy about the Virgin Mary and Jesus. And then later, it was the next day, if I remember correctly, uh, they heard another, some of these same people, not all of them, but some of them heard another sermon that really contradicted and spoke and uh, preached the truth about Mary and Jesus. And these same people that heard both sermons talked about how good both sermons were. They couldn't see the difference. They couldn't see the difference. And I have been uh, in congregations in the past where I have heard, been in meetings where I've heard preachers preach things that were contradictory and the people in the audience never caught on to the difference. I've also, uh, in some of my pastoring, have preached things to my own congregation that people have come along and preached something different. And some of the people in the congregation talked about how wonderful those different preachers were. Which leads me to believe that Many, if not the majority, are professing Christians do not have enough spiritual gumption. That, <laughs> that's an old country slogan for common sense. Just uh, to know the difference. And the reason is they don't know the Bible. They don't know the Bible. And that's sad. That's sad. We pointed out that that the that a teacher or a preacher or a minister or a prophet is guided by there's a spirit that is involved in it. Look at 1 Corinthians 14. There's something that just came to mind that I want to enlarge upon while I think about it. Verse 32. 
If I had time, I would take in the whole context. But the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. What that is saying is that though there is a spirit behind the prophet, we as individuals, I'm just going to, for, for time's sake, I'm just going to jump into this and say prophets are preachers right here. To put this, uh, and really I could show that a, a, pro- a preacher is a prophet, not a prophet that foretells the future, but a prophet that forth tells the future. That is, he speaks forth what the Word of God says. Many times, someone will say, and I have heard it and witnessed it myself at congregational meetings at various times and so-called Bible conferences at various times where a minister would say, I just have to say something. Well, according to the context here, if, uh, only, uh, only three at a meeting, at, at, an, at a gathering, there should only be uh, three different ministers or teachers that could speak, and then that would be one at a time. But regardless of that, uh, God tells the congregation at Corinth that a prophet is not to be overruled and guided by the Spirit. The prophet is to rule and direct the Spirit that's in him. Notice that. Notice what it says. The spirits of the prophets are subject, not rule over. When a spirit takes over a person, that's usually demonic. Now there were times in the Old Testament when the Holy Spirit was upon Folks, that was not in Him. But we have the complete revelation now. And if we want to know whether something is right or wrong, we don't have to come uh, to some uh, spiritual manifestation. We have to know the Scriptures. But my point is this. The only way that I can know whether my spirit... My emotions, I'll expand this a little bit. My disposition, my feelings, the only way that I can know whether those things are of God or not is 
Are they in harmony with the Word of God? Let that sink in. Sometimes people will say, well, let me say this. The modern trend today, it doesn't matter whether it's in the entertainment industry of movies and uh, TV programs, or whether it's just people talking one-on-one, or whether usually, a lot of times, whether it's so-called ministers preaching, they will say something to the effect, if someone is trying to figure out what they ought to do about a particular situation, they say, follow your heart. Whatever you think, whatever you think uh, the Lord would have you to do, Well, that statement is a valid statement, but usually what is meant by that statement is whatever you feel is right. Well, you're not to go by your feelings, you're to go by the Word of God. I was talking recently to an individual and we were discussing a brother that uh, has somewhat gone by the wayside and this individual said something to the effect that maybe he ought to call him and Give him some advice. And I made statement. I said, well, I said, I've thought about calling this particular individual. I said, the only thing I've done is send him a message that I'm praying for him. But I have found over the years, if there's, if, uh, if there is nothing that I can say to him that hasn't already been said and he doesn't already know doesn't do me any good to talk to him. Why should I compound it? And yet I know sometimes that might be a cop-out, but that's not the case. Uh, I'll, I'll use... Uh, you know, Matthew 18 says if, if uh, someone has offended you, you go and talk to him and him alone. But what usually happens if someone is offended, they don't go and talk to the person. They'll go and ask somebody, what should I do? When God's already told them what to do. He didn't say go to the preacher and tell him about it. He didn't say go to any other church member. He didn't say go to your spouse 
or your kinfolk, go to him. Him and him alone. <clears throat> but we hardly ever see that. And the simple reason is simply because we go by our feelings. We don't go by the Word of God. The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And I believe to a great degree that can apply to each and every child of grace by application, not by our interpretation. Anyway, that's kindly a, uh, a side issue. But it is uh, directly applicable to our subject at hand. There were false prophets in the Old Testament. And one we'll look at, well, maybe we might just look at it now. Uh, Balaam was a false prophet. Look at Second Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2. The first verse says, But there were false prophets among the people. Peter's talking about false prophets. And then drop down to verse 15. Here's one of those false prophets. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of righteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. So without question, Without question, we see that Balaam was a false prophet. Anybody want to argue with that? They'll have to argue with the Word of God. And if we didn't have Second Peter, we might wonder whether Balaam was a false prophet. Turn back to the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 24. Well, first of all, it starts out in Israel had come to the plains of Moab. Moab is this section right here. It is uh, right beside the east side of the 
of the Dead Sea. Who was from Moab? Who do you know in the Bible? Really famous in the bloodline of the Lord Jesus Christ was from Moab. Ruth. Ruth. Of course, this was after this time. Moab was from Esau, Jacob's brother. So here you see descendants of each other. Israel, descendants of Jacob, come along by the side of Moab. But Balak, who was the king, he wanted Israel cursed. And so he sent messengers to Balaam. Balaam, as far as I can uh, ascertain, if I remember correctly, he was living at this time over around the Euphrates River. But anyway, he sent and wanted Balaam to come and curse Israel. And Balaam said in verse 8, after the uh, people from Moab, delegates from Mo uh, Balak, he said in verse 8, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again as the Lord shall speak unto me and the princes of Moab abode with Balaam. And Balaam said unto God, Balak the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent unto me, saying, Behold, there is a people come out of Egypt which covereth the face of the earth, Come now and curse me them, peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, now notice, Balaam prayed to God. And God talked to Balaam. This is a false prophet. You say, well, that just doesn't make sense. Whether it makes sense or not, this is the Word of God. Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And Balaam rose up in the morning and said unto the princes of Balak, Get you into your land, for the Lord refuseth to give me leave to go with you. In other words, Balaam said, to, uh, said, I can't go. God told me not to. So, so far, things are looking good. This is important of trying to figure out whether man's a true prophet or not. 
It may look good on the surface at first. You know, we read Deuteronomy 13 just about with each message. I haven't read that yet today. And so Balaam sent some more, uh, uh, Balak sent some more folks back to, uh, Balak, uh, to Balaam. Said, I'll give you more money and I'll give you more honor. Verse 18, And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of, notice, Jehovah. That's Lord in caps. I cannot go beyond the word of Jehovah my God Notice, Jehovah is my God. He's a false prophet. He confessed Jehovah as his God. That's not enough. To do less or more. Now therefore I pray you, tarry ye also here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Now why did Balaam want to go back to God and ask Him again if He'd already said, God said, I can't go? Second Peter gives us the answer. He loved the wages of righteousness. He wanted the money. He wanted the money. He wanted the money. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, thou shalt do. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. Now there's a little thing here that uh, I, I may be reading too much into it. Uh, I don't know, but notice what God said in verse 20. He said, If the men come and call thee, rise up and go with them. It didn't say in verse 21 that the men had come, came back to call him. It just said he got up and went. Could have been Balaam didn't, didn't wait for them to call. He just wanted to go. And God's anger was kindled because he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the way. And of course, you know how that the uh, the angel stood in front of his animal, and Balaam wound up talking to the animal. I think if an animal started talking to me, and God had already told me a few things. I think I might come to my senses. But you know what? If God leaves you alone, you wouldn't even come to your senses then. You'd do just as dumb as Balaam did. And then Balaam finally goes on down 
Well, uh, look at verse 34. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. See, just confessing that you're a sinner is not enough. He's still a false prophet. Remember, Pharaoh said on one occasion, I have sinned. Pray for me. That's not enough. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. In other words, uh, all right, uh, if, if it's not right, I'll go back. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee, that thou shalt speak. See, how did God speak to Balaam? Through an angel. He said, you can only say what I'm going to tell you. That's what the angel said. And then you know that Verse 41, And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam and brought him unto the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost part of the people. And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars. Prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. So he had all of these, this altar and all of this sacrifice to God. Verse 4, this is in chapter 23. I'm having to kind of skip, a, uh, skip, but I want you to see as much of this as I can. And God met and He said unto him, excuse me, and God met Balaam, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth and said, Return unto Balak, and thus shalt thou speak. And he returned unto him. And lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab, and he took up this parable. Now here's something you need to realize. Here, Balaam spoke the truth. But he was still a false prophet. You say, well, what's the significance of that? Remember Deuteronomy 13? If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder and the sign or the wonder come to pass, Balak spoke the truth 
But later on, he led Israel into sin. Verse 8, I think I've read this. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Numbers 23, 8. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom Jehovah hath not defiled? Defied. For from the rock, from the top of the rocks, I see him. And from the hills, I behold him. And lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. There's a sermon in that. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. Balaam desired to even die like the righteous. Of course he didn't. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? So Balak took him to another place, another altar. Verse 16, And the Lord met Balaam, this is the second time, and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, he stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord, what hath Jehovah spoken? Even Balak said, What Jehovah said, And he took up this parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. And here's that glorious passage that sometimes we sing. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make good? I have, behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn." saying, There is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down till he eat of the prey and drink of the blood of the slain. In other words, Balaam blessed Israel again.
Balak tried it again the third time. And eventually, you know what Balaam did? He got the Moabites to intermarry among the Israelites and cause them to commit fornication. He wanted the money. He wanted the money. He wanted the wages of unrighteousness. And as I mentioned last Lord's Day, I want to mention again, what about preachers who are afraid to preach on modest dress? for fear they might lose their place or might lose out on some money. People are dressing immodestly more and more in the house of God. I see women not only in pants but in jeans and sometimes shorts in the house of God in some places now. I'm talking about our I'm talking about our denomination, not just the others. Beloved, we're in the presence of the holy. We're in the presence of the holy God. Talking about false prophets in the Old Testament, not only Balaam. Look at Jeremiah chapter 5. We've already read about some of them in previous sermons, so I won't go back and duplicate that. Jeremiah 5.31 The prophets... Prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? People love false preachers and false teachers. You know why? Because they don't preach anything that will condemn them for their lifestyle. Deuteronomy 29. Excuse me. Jeremiah 29. I'm sorry. Verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye have caused to be dreamed, 
for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Well, again I ask, how are you going to know? You've got to know by the Word of God. You've got to know by the Word of God. Christ spoke about false prophets. Verse 5, uh, Matthew seven fifteen. Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth good uh, evil fruit, neither can a corrupt, corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. You remember in 1 Timothy where it gives the qualifications of a minister. Only one of the things listed there has to do with the minister speaking apt to teach. Everything else has to do with his character. What do you really know? What do you really know about ministers? I remember some years ago where I was living and in that section of the country there was a minister that came through from another state a visiting preacher coming through to various congregations and preaching later on I learned that that minister was seen in a motel in Memphis, Tennessee, going into the room with a woman. He was traveling alone. The ministry is a serious thing. And our Lord 
warned, and I, I haven't written down all the passages. I could just give you many, many, many passages. Not only our Lord, but the apostles in their writings and to the various congregations, which we'll read some more. We'll have to get through them uh, this afternoon. Warned over and over and over and over and over again about false teachers. And I dare say that there have been very few messages on it. But when a minister comes along and says that the Word of God means something other than what it says, mighty dangers. It reminds me of I think I've mentioned this before. Someone told me one time about a man uh, was preaching about when the Lord fed the multitude and they had them to sit down on grass. Well, the title of the man's sermon was Grass. And the grass, somehow he got to be, the, the grass was God's people. Well, what did the Bible say? The Bible said it was just grass that grew out of the ground that people sat on. To make grass to be something other than just grass. That's like making Balaam's donkey to be uh, an angel. It wasn't an angel that spoke to Balaam. It was the donkey that spoke. It didn't say an angel spoke. An angel might have made it speak. I don't know. I don't know all the logistics behind it. But God's word says the donkey spoke. God's word says a great fish swallowed Jonah. God's word said in the plagues of Egypt, water was turned to blood. Darkness inhabited Egypt to where there it couldn't be felt. But there wasn't any darkness in Egypt, I mean in Israel or Goshen. There's a bunch of flies in Egypt, but none in Goshen. There was hail and fire that ran on the ground. You say, well, that, that, did, that really didn't, that's not really what it means. Then you tell me. When preachers start making stuff out of things like that instead of just taking God's Word for what it says, I'm afraid they may be guilty of adding or taking away from God's Word. I mean, there's enough to preach on what the Bible actually says without making up something. Well, we'll stop there. Lord willing, we'll take up. We might actually finish the first verse this afternoon, but I, I won't guarantee. I found out a long time ago that covering the truth of something is more important than uh, moving through a, a, 
a book of the Bible. I believe this is an important topic that needs to be covered thoroughly. And, it, and I'm really not covering it thoroughly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if I'm, as the old saying goes, beating a dead horse, Awaken me to my senses. I believe it's really vital, particularly in the day in which we live. And I believe that not only within the content, uh, the con confined the con, uh, under Christianity as a whole but see even in the world at large we're totally unaware of evil spirits and the influence that they have. Help us to realize as John plainly teaches, greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. We don't have to be paralyzed because of them. And You have given us the victory. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen.